The purest form of communication is to listen without memory or desire. That's a quote by Wilfred Bryan, who's a British psychoanalyst. And that is about what we're going to talk about today as I interview Dr. Mark Golston about the power of listening and his book, Just Listening. Dr. Golston shares touching stories, interesting insights, and wonderful tips that are going to leave you inspired because they definitely left me inspired. I actually felt uh, very uplifted and almost buzzy-like after our conversation. And it's due to not only the tips he shared, but his sincerity and his insight. Some of the things that we talk about that I think will be beneficial to you is the power of becoming a first-class noticer as a listener and the tips he shares around that in regard to feeling into someone else's experience. We talk about PAL. He uses acronyms. And if those of you who know me know I love acronyms, PAL is Purposeful Agendaless Listening. We're going to talk about something that all leaders and mentors are going to want to know about as they're mentoring the people that they work with. And it's called Tether Love. He gives a very good visual example of what that is. You're going to find out about the oxytocin deficit disorder. Could be something that's impacting you and your performance. And it could be something that's impacting your team. And there is a um, easy and doable fix. And it has to do with how you communicate and listen to people. And we're going to talk a little bit about a wins conversation that I am getting ready to have this week. And we didn't necessarily talk about my conversation, but Dr. Golson gave tips for how to hold one of those types of conversations. That's one of those difficult conversation or course correction conversations that we always talk about here at Wake Up Eager. So as I said, I left inspired and excited about this interview, and I really can't wait to share it with you. So let's just get started. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there. Welcome to episode 37. I'm Susie Price. I'm a professional facilitator, consultant, and author. I'm the producer of this podcast and the owner of Priceless Professional Development, where we've been in business. This is our 14th year, and I'm super glad to be here. I'm super glad to be doing this work and to be living this life and working with people like you and talking to you about these kinds of things, and I'm super glad you are here. So I just wanted to give you a little updates on a couple of things, and then we're going to jump into the interview. One, I'm excited. This week, we updated our new website, and it's, an, it's a new look, a little fresher look. Where it's beneficial or hopefully meaningful to you is there's a little bit easier navigation, so you can see more easily what our tools are and resources that we can offer. And we also have cataloged all of our articles and podcasts according to topic. So it'll be easier for you to find a lot of these articles. I, I have probably 500 articles 
And so far, this is our 37th podcast. So what I want you to do is to be able to find things easier. So you can go to our new blog archives, which is still a work in progress. It's getting there. But what you'll see, and you can go there by going to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash blog archives. That's all one word, lowercase. And you will see groupings of that you can click on. So hiring related podcasts, communication related podcasts accountability and conflict related podcast. So all of that, as well as articles on topics that might be of interest to you. So you can go to pricelessprofessional.com slash blog archives, all one word. You can also go to the Wake Up Eager Workforce directory where we have, I have links to some of those groupings of topics. If you'd like to stay in touch or reach out to me, you can shoot me a note or look at all my contact information by going to pricelessprofessional.com slash Susie. It's all lowercase S-U-Z-I-E. That's how I spell my name. My Twitter handle is at Wake Up Eager. We're on Facebook at Wake Up Eager and we can connect on LinkedIn. So any of those avenues would be places that we could connect and can answer questions. If you're thinking about something that's going on with your team or in your environment, you can also send me any suggestions on topics that you want to hear on the podcast. And there is an app for this podcast that is free to you to use on the iPhone. So if you go to wakeupeagerworkforce.com, you'll see where you can download the app and you you know, could do that on your iPad or your iPhone and, and get it on there and episodes will just show up. And it's also there you can share the podcast. If you have the app on your phone, it's easy to share the podcast with people. Consider getting that, no cost. And... The show notes for this podcast, episode number 37, is at pricelessprofessional.com slash just listen. So if you don't have the app, but you're wanting to look at all the links and the things that we're going to talk about today, because there are a lot of articles and things that are great material that Dr. Golston talks about that I want you to be able to find. So it's pricelessprofessional.com just listen. And I want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com, that you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial, and we get credit or get recognition for having sent you over there by going to audibletrial.com slash wakeupeagerworkforce, audibletrial.com wakeupeagerworkforce. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from. You can listen to them on your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle. Right now, I'm currently listening to The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. So I'm listening to that book. And the other thing I have in the wings I'm going to listen to is one book that was highly rated called Love Does. It's talking about how to create an incredible life in an ordinary world. So it's all kinds of inspiration. I listen to nutrition books sometimes when I walk in my dog because that's an interest to me. I also listen to mysteries when we're on road trips. So audibletrial.com slash workforce. Check it out. So yesterday was a solar eclipse. So I'm recording this on Tuesday, August the 22nd, 2017, the solar eclipse, Monday, August 21st. And it's, you know, millions of us in America and gazed in wonder as the moon blocked out the sun from coast to coast. First time a solar eclipse in nearly a century. 
And it was fun here in Atlanta, which is where I am recording this, where my home office is. We saw a partial eclipse, and I happen to live on a cul-de-sac that's considered one of the highest points in Atlanta. So it's off of a mountain called Sweat Mountain. And we don't have children, and we're back and forth in two different locations where we live. And because of that, and I'm super busy and my husband's super busy. I haven't really tuned into much about the eclipse and I don't have kids to think about to make sure that they get in all the fun. So I was surprised. I went outside yesterday at about 1.30 Atlanta time and there were 50, 80, I don't even know, 100 people in the cul-de-sac. It cracked me up. There were people parked in my driveway, which I didn't mind because I thought it was completely fun. They stayed there until, you know, it passed all the way through Atlanta. I think I don't really know what the percentage was because, as I said, I wasn't really focused on it. But it was fun to see neighborhood kids and parents and dogs and people had cookies. And my one neighbor gave me some solar eclipse cookies that she had made. And it was just fun and kind of a, a moment. And it's interesting that I will remember that day, the solar eclipse. You know, we tend to remember when there's things that don't happen very often, what we were doing and who we were with. And so I'll remember that, the cul-de-sac event, all the people and kind of caught me by surprise and fun to see my neighbors in that way because I'm not usually around or milling around like that during the day. But the other thing is, I will remember that day because it's the day that I interviewed Dr. Golston. So at three o'clock Eastern time, he's out of California, so it was noon his time, he and I started our interview. So it seemed an extra special interview, and I think it's 100% related to him being a very extra special person. But on top of that, we had the vibe of the once, once in a hundred years solar eclipse type thing happening. Anyway, I just thought that was neat that that day yesterday was a really high vibe, happy, inspired day. And so let's get into, let me tell you why some of the background on Dr. Golson. So as you're listening to him, you can hear and uh, remember, or understand the reference point from which he comes. Uh, he is hired by CEOs, chairman of boards, founders to help with all kinds of non-technical aspects of their organizations, team building, culture, user experience, cross-cultural integration. And I love this term. It says here on his bio that he's regarded a people hacker. So he began his career as an interventional psychiatrist. And he talks about that today in this interview where he focused on suicide and violence prevention and was the UCLA professor of psychiatry. He then started working with the FBI and police negotiations, and then he moved into the corporate world, and he is an amazing person. Let's see, what else do we see here on his? He's the co-founder of Heartfelt Leadership, which is an organization that highlights the ideas of CEOs called Daring to Care, and he's written seven books. The book that we most focus on today is Just Listen, Discover the Secrets to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. By the way, that's available on Audible, audibletrial.com slash wakeupeagerworkforce. His book, Just Listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone, is on audible.com, and it's considered the top book on listening in the world. Pretty soon, and he mentions this in the podcast, that he's going over to Russia to train their government in listening and empathy. 
So he's got a lot of other books listed, and you, I'll give links to a lot of his articles and where to find his website and his LinkedIn profile on the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com. Just listen. He writes for Harvard Business Review, the Business Journals, Business Insider, Huffington Post, Psychology Today has been on CNN, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Fortune, and Forbes. Highly qualified, completely humble, accessible, kind person with great insight for anybody who wants to lead, influence, and make a difference in the world. So let's go get to that interview now. Dr. Golston, so happy to have you here today. Thank you for taking time to be with us on the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. We're going to start out with some fun get-to-know-you questions, and then we'll jump into our topic about just listening. First, let's kick it off with what's your favorite possession? This is going to sound so self-absorbed. Well, my favorite possession or possession are my personal journals, and I'm on volume 242. I have 45,000 pages. And I started after I finished medical school because I had some challenges in medical school. And when I got through, I started my first journal and I said, I can't believe I made it through. They have released the madman. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting. And I would encourage people to keep a journal because, look, I was a medical doctor. I was a psychiatrist. I was sort of a scientist. And what's happened is when you keep a journal, it helps you become more articulate mm-hmm. and able to express yourself. And I hope I live up to that promise in our interview. But, uh, yeah, but that, that's my favorite possession. Yeah, that art of journaling, it helps you clarify your thinking. And for you, the fact that you've kept all your journals to go back and see where you were and see where you've come, oftentimes we don't realize how, how far we've traveled or the steps we've taken. That's very true. That's awesome. So personal journals, and you have 5,000 pages of journals? 45,000. 45,000. I missed that number. Do you write every day? I do. I do, which leads to, isn't there a second question that you were going to ask me about? (laughs) Yeah. Does it lead to the next question? Sure does. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go there. Share a funny story that your family tells about you. One of the things that my kids said, now they're fully grown, but they know I always we carried these journals around, and they said, you know, Dad, if you die, we have a garage sale. We could only get 25 cents a piece for your journals because they're all used. <laughs> Actually, the not-so-funny story they've said recently, they say, Dad, you know, why do you keep journaling when you can't read your writing? <laughs> I'm a doctor. You know, and 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 it's true. But the way I keep journaling, and again, I'd suggest it to people, is I write down things that I want to think about at another time. And then when they keep reoccurring and reoccurring, I say, wow, that can hold my attention long enough to be an article or maybe even a book. But I really need to take a course on writing more legibly. It's appalling. Only if you want other people to read them, right? Ooh, that's good. Now what I'll say, they'll say, what about that? I'll say, I'll say, Consider them encrypted. Yeah, they're in code for purpose. (laughs) So you can't sell them to anyone else. And if you do, they won't be able to read it. (laughs) Exactly true, yeah. Exactly. 
So let's talk about, you talked about you get article ideas and book ideas from writing. From the writing, is that how you ended up or in your journaling, focusing on this topic of listening? And it seems as though this um, is a big part of your life's work. How did it become your focus and why does it matter to you? I'll tell an anecdote and it's slightly clinical, but usually it it really uh, tells people kind of where I'm coming from. My book, Just Listen, I'm humbled by the results. It's become the top book on listening in the world. It's in 18 languages, and the Russian government has hired me to come over and train it in empathy. Wow. Going over uh, in the near future uh, to start in Moscow to train it in listening and empathy, not negotiation. It's not negotiation. About how to, uh, it's mainly about how the government can get their internal people to cooperate better. So it's not wow. about selling. But it all goes back. I was a suicide specialist. In fact, one of my first mentors was the pioneer in the study of suicide. Early on in my training, what would happen is he would see highly suicidal people inside the inpatient wards at UCLA, and a number of them needed to be discharged, but they were still suicidal. They just weren't acutely suicidal. You know, can't keep yeah. people in forever. And Dr. Ed Schneidman would see these people, and then he'd call me, and it's always the same call. He'd say, Mark, this is Ed. I'm with this lovely young woman. I'm with this handsome young man. Oh. You could help them, Mark, see them. And so this gave me the chance to be innovative because, well, they weren't going to kill themselves immediately, but that was in their head. Yeah. So everything changed when I... Uh, saw a woman I'll call Nancy. And one of the things I was noticing is that the more I used jargon, the more I sort of checked the boxes, I started looking in their eyes, and their eyes would say, nice try, Doc, you missed. Mm. I had to go deeper and deeper. And there was one weekend where I was moonlighting at a state hospital, which means I was covering for the regular psychiatrist there. And so I didn't sleep for about 36 hours. And then on Monday, I saw Nancy. Nancy was one of the most suicidal people I'd seen. She made three or four attempts prior to my ever seeing her. She was in the hospital every year for several months. Wow. And she never looked at me. And so I'm seated there after not sleeping, and I'm seated with her. Uh, suddenly, all the color in the room goes to black and white. So I'm looking out at a room that's black and white, and I thought, this is weird. And then, but I'm somewhat young and enterprising, and I, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm having a stroke or a seizure, so I'm a medical doctor. So I did a neurologic exam on myself, and I tapped my knee, tapped my elbows, looking at my finger uh, to see if I was having double vision. And I thought, I don't think I'm having a stroke or a seizure. I had this idea that I was looking at the world through her eyes and feeling what she felt because she never made eye contact. That said, she was coming in two or three times a week, and I didn't think I was helping her at all, but she was coming in, and I've been seeing her for seven, eight months, and that was the longest she'd gone without a suicide attempt or a hospitalization, but I didn't figure I was helping her. But there I was, thinking I knew her feelings, and I said, Nancy, I didn't know it was so bad, and I can't help you kill yourself, but if you do, I will still think well of you, I will miss you. And maybe I'll understand why you had to do it to get out of the pain. Mm. And I thought, I think I just gave her permission to do it. Mm. And she looked at me for the first time. And I got a little nervous. Like I thought she was going to say, thank you for understanding I'm overdue on my next attempt. Mm. And I said, I said, what are you thinking, Nancy? And she looked at me and she said, if you can really understand why I might have to kill myself to get out of the pain, Maybe I won't need to. 
And then she smiled and she let go of her suicidality. And then I said to her, and this is actually something that I used later on with a number of suicidal people who'd been to many, many psychiatrists or psychologists and been through it all. And so if you can imagine that you're kind of, I don't want you, I hope you you can only imagine it, but not hopefully been there. But if you're somewhat cynical and skeptical because you've been through multiple hospitalizations and everyone's treated you with all kinds of things. So what I said to Nancy, I said, if it's okay with you, I'm not going to give you any advice or solution that you don't want to hear, that you probably won't follow, and then you'll feel guilty about coming back and telling me why you didn't do it. Would that be okay? So she looked at me like, yeah. And then I looked deeply in her eyes, and I have a way of looking deeply into people's eyes because I always look into people's eyes to be of service. And I said, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to find you wherever you are in there, and I'm going to keep you company as long as it takes because you've been there too many times all alone at 3 a.m., not knowing if you'd make it to 7 a.m., and on multiple occasions disappointed that you made it to 7 a.m. Would that be okay, Nancy? She just started crying. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, I've been trying to figure out what the heck happened. Mm -hmm. So Just Listen is actually a book about how do you listen into people, and it's really about the power of causing someone to feel felt by you. So what happened with Nancy is she felt felt and she felt less alone in this dark, dark place. And a lot of people who feel very alone in dark, dark places, when they feel less alone, that spontaneously uh, gives them hope. And I know you mentioned a question, something about neuroscience. So let me just plug something in here because for people who think this is too soft, even though that's a pretty interesting story, the reason listening and helping people feel felt is so powerful. And I'll just use a little neuroscience, but most people know that when you're stressed out, your cortisol goes up. So cortisol is high when you're stressed. The antidote to stress and elevated cortisol is oxytocin. And oxytocin goes up when you feel emotionally understood. And what happens is, so if you can imagine out in the world, most people are feeling stressed, most people's cortisol is high, and if you can give them a taste of oxytocin, meaning you bond with them, what happens is they exhale, they feel relief, they feel grateful to you for providing that, and out of that gratitude, it just flexes the whole conversation into their then wanting to reciprocate with doing something for you or with you. Mm. And so that's the power of listening into people. I'm going to give you and your listeners an example of it with you. The difference between listening to you and listening into you, because I'm picking it up right now. Okay. So if I'm listening to you, you're asking me questions, you know, and I'm answering the questions, and I covered the sort of the funny ones at the beginning. But as I'm sharing this story with you, and I'm listening in to you, what I'm picking up, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that this podcast and what you do is a calling. It's not just something you do, it's a calling. And you don't even have a choice, you have to do it. And it's something where you always want to bring value to your listeners. You want to bring value to help them succeed at work, but you want them to succeed at life. And as I'm 
listening into you, I'm picking up that maybe there's a part of you that might be thinking or feeling, you know, this is an unusual interview. Someone might be able to hear this and save a life. How amazing would that be? Mm. Is any of that true? Oh, it's completely true. I wake up every day to be of service to the people who cross my path. And if this interview makes a difference in someone's life, all is well. Let's get back to our business things here, Susie, because what happened is you're, if people listen into the tone of your voice right now, it's softer, yep. more accessible. I'm not saying it wasn't accessible before, but so what's happened is in this exchange, the oxytocin between us has gone up. And so that's the power of listening into people and helping them feel felt and less alone in the world. And so just listen is my trying to figure out what the heck happened and how I can make that possible for other people. Right. Love it. Amazing story with Nancy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say it's that presence, it's being present with people. That has been something that I have personally been working on so that I am more in the moment with people. And the more I do that, the more I feel like I'm of service. And if we're not able to do it ourselves, we cannot make it accessible to others who are trying to do the same thing or who want to positively influence. So I I love that you're specifically focusing on this and living to demonstrate it. Well, thank you. In fact, I'm going to give you several specific tactics about how to be totally present with another person. And I blog all over the place. I've gone from my illegible journals to just blogging everywhere. It's it's shameful, really. We'll have but a link to it at the in the show notes to that, as well as your book. And there's an article that you wrote about talking too much with Harvard Business Review that I think everyone would enjoy reading. So I'll make sure I have links to all of that in the show notes for folks, as well That'll as notes great. and the minutes of where this is discussed in the podcast around the tactics if people want to revisit. They'll be able to find it. So tell us That's how to be totally So present. I don't know the title of this blog, but I think it will be something like Empathy for People on the Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll look for it. So here are the steps. So the first thing And this really wouldn't, I guess, be for people who are on the spectrum. But the first step is you're going to have a conversation. You're going to meet with a client. You're going to meet with someone in your company. You're going to meet with uh, an investor. And so you have to have the intention of connecting with them. What you say is, I want to be a little more present in the next conversation because I can be too transactional. And so you have to have that intention. And you have that intention if you discover that being purely transactional is somehow not getting you the results you're capable of. So that's the first step. You have that intention. The second thing is be a first-class noticer because noticing is different than looking, watching, and seeing. When you notice, you're actually connected with whatever you're noticing. So just like I noticed your voice became a little bit more tender after I told you the story. And so when you notice, you step into the other person. So you have the intention to be present, be a first-class noticer. The third step is be curious about what you're noticing and then ask about it. Mm -hmm. I could have said, Susie, I couldn't help but notice, but your voice got a little different after I told you that story than before. And then I would ask you, 
what was that about? And then you would share what it was about. And so the next step is I would listen to you. But as I'm listening, I would be listening for especially four things. And those four things are hyperbole. Like if you were to say, that was really amazing, or we have a situation that's horrendous. So look for hyperbole. Look for inflection. If you were to say, or someone were to say, this is something we have to take care of now, that's inflection. And for people who become real students of this because they find it fascinating, notice adverbs or adjectives. Because adverbs embellish verbs, and adjectives embellish nouns. And so hyperbole, inflection, adverbs, and adjectives all have emotional juice on them. So as as I'm listening to you, and I hear one of those things, when I say I couldn't help but notice such and such, and if you were to say something like, well, we've got this amazing opportunity, but we've got this scary situation. I listen to you. And then the next step after listening is go deeper. And I would ask about that. I'd say, say more about the amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Or say more about the scary situation. And what would happen is by having you repeat it, you would go deeper. Yeah. And as you go deeper, you're opening up more to me than you would be to the competition. And at that point, I might then say, uh, once you go deeper, and the next step is take it to the ICU. And ICU stands for important, critical, and urgent. And so when you bring that up, I, I might say, how important, critical, or urgent is it to take care of that? And importance a year from now, critical six months from now, urgent this week. If you're tracking with me, Susie, can you see that what you're doing is you're just digging down, you're getting them to open up, you're getting them to focus, you're getting them to prioritize. And then what you do is you reiterate the whole thing to them. And what you say is, this is much too important for me to have missed anything. And people love to be told that what they've said is important because most people feel like the world treats them like they're not important at all. And so when you then go through all those steps... You've opened them up past the competition. You've got them to prioritize. When you go through that, you could say, is there anything else that that I've missed? See, my role in life is to always be of service. Mm. I'm the chief mentor at a, I do a lot of things. I'm the chief mentor at a company in Shanghai and Beijing called China Foundations. And China Foundations, their whole purpose is uh, logistics companies will bring in a thousand expat managers to work with Chinese workers in Fortune 500 companies, and these logistics companies will build towns and schools and whatnot, and they'll outsource the cooperation and collaboration to China Foundations. And I'm chief mentor at China Foundations, and our philosophy there, which is my philosophy, and the people who you know have to get numbers this quarter. You know, going to have trouble with this, but this is how I build long-lasting relationships with some of the most powerful people in the world currently. So my approach, using that listening, is to always be of service and never ask for anything in return, ever. And what's happening, and this could lead into this kind of relationship between you and me, what happens is when you identify givers, givers can't stand to not reciprocate. I am highly influential because I only give to people. And then after a while, the givers sort of say, this is ridiculous. You know, I've got to give you something. And I say, what you can (laughs) give me is make the introduction work. 
Now, these are not simple introductions. These are game changers for you. Just make it work. And I say, I have no doubt that you'll find a way to you know, reciprocate the value that I'm providing for you. And how you do that is your problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. And the trust that it builds, I mean, it's the best time in my life, Susie, because what's happened is I have almost only people like this. I give to everyone, but if I discover someone who's sort of a taker, I don't give to them again. I'll give to people that are helping the world. You know, you can be a taker or a receiver or someone who doesn't give back. But to me, if you're helping the world, making it better, that's more than enough. So I'm in a good role here. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. It's so awesome to be in a place where you do things without an agenda other than to be yeah. of service. And there's it's a, it has a very different feel, very different vibe, very different energy. It's looser. It's freer. Clients feel it. One of my favorite quotes, it's in Just Listen, yeah. is, comes from a British psychoanalyst named Wilfred Bion. And he said, the purest form of communication is to listen without memory or desire. Oh, and he says, that. basically, I knew you would. Keep your oxytocin to yourself, Susie. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, but yes, yeah, it's just, but, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Say it again. I'm going to put it in the notes, but yeah. do you mind uh, saying it again? Uh, the purest form of communication is to listen without memory or desire. And what he meant is when you listen with memory, you have a personal past agenda that you're plugging people into. And when you listen with desire, you have a present or future personal agenda that you're trying to plug people into. But you're not listening to their agenda. Yep. So what I talk about in Just Listen is instead of having an agenda Try to be a PAL, and a PAL stands for Purposeful, Agendaless Listening. Ah, love that. Agendaless yep. Listening. Stay seated, Susie. I can feel the tingles across the phone. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but your purpose is to really be of service to people. Yeah. And again, my apologies to the people that say, but i got to make my numbers and whatever. And, and I guess what I would say to you is what you're doing working for you. If it's working yeah. for you, that's fine. I have lifelong relationships with very influential people. And my mission in life, by the way, is to identify, if anyone's listening in or they want to be part of this group who they would love, to identify powerful, influential, and wealthy individuals who have the ability to change the world, and I stay on their back until they do it. Mm. And what I'm doing is I'm introducing them to each other. And so these are all givers, and what happens is they don't like withholding their generosity, but they've learned to do it because sometimes they're surrounded by selfish people, grabby people, takers. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is when they see I have no agenda with them, first of all, they don't know what to make of it. Mm -hmm. Then after a while, it just morphs into, you know, these blessed relationships that I have with these chairmen and CEOs, and I'm blessed. A beautiful life. Sure is. Sure is. I'm uh, every day. I'm grateful to that. We strayed from your questions, Susie. Well, I like what we <laughs> talked about because it's it is this place, and it is a journey for most of us, and it's uh, something I can personally step into, and then sometimes step out of because I'm a doer. I'm not a taker, but I'm definitely a doer, and I like to get things done. And I'm a business owner, and I'm, I like make things happen and make a difference. But what I have realized is in a coaching call or a consulting call, 
it's not my job to own the development or own their progress, but it is my job to be a container of listening and valuing and helping them find their answers. And I think that's transferable, that skill or that ability to all leaders when they're talking to their team. Yes, they have agendas like me. You have your business. Maybe it's not an agenda, but you have your business and you have your goals and you have TPIs that you need to meet and so on or KPIs. But at the end of the day, if your people don't feel heard, listened, and valued, then you're never going to reach those goals. So you don't do it to reach the goals, but you do it to add value. And by the way, you'll reach your goals. I'm a big proponent of mentoring. And the difference between mentoring, coaching, and teaching, I mean, there's a lot of overlap. And see, I'm blessed. I I have something that I call the Dead Mentor Society. I've had seven (laughs) mentors. They've all passed away. All passed away. And if you're someone, if you're an authority figure, if you're a boss, here's a hidden potential you have, and you should use it. Mentors not only have the capacity to help their people be successful, you have the capacity to heal people. And my last mentor was a very well-known person in the field of leadership. His name was Warren Bennis. If you look up Mm -hmm. Warren Bennis, B-E-N-N-I-S from USC, he was one of the top five people in the field of study of leadership. He mentored Howard Schultz at Starbucks, David Gergen, CNN. He's advised four presidents. I think of him and miss him every day. And, And what I realized is with Warren is on the anniversary of his death, he died in 2014, what I realized is, and I never got to tell him this, is I thought his mentoring and his respect was the big deal. That was great. To get esteem from someone that other people look up to was great. But what really made the difference is he enjoyed me. Mm. So whenever I'd see him, I put a smile on his face, and it, it wasn't focused on what we were going to discuss. And feeling enjoyed as opposed to feeling burdensome to someone. The number of people that can heal is amazing. And there's a term that I have for mentoring, which I call tether love. Because to me, what a mentor does, a mentor believes in his or her people when they don't, sees a future for them when they don't, sees value in them when they don't, and you tether them to their future. You don't tell them what the future is, but you believe in them and you help them land in the future. And I call it tether love because when those people run into a wall, they hit a bump. Yes, you give them input and solutions, but they feel you love them. You feel that you care about them. One of my favorite books and least known book by this person, John Wooden of UCLA. Mm -hmm. To me, he was Mm -hmm. maybe different in the South, but to me, he was the most respected person ever in sports. All you have to do is talk to any of his NBA players from Kareem. and, And if you ask them, what was the best years of your whole life? It'll be working for Coach Wooden. And he had a book, I think it's called The Power of Mentors. And he talked about how Abraham Lincoln was one of his mentors, Mother Teresa, his deceased wife. And I think when you read the book, you get a feeling that all those people had this quality of tether love. Mm. And I think it's the world bothers me every day. Mm. You know, because of my previous work as a suicide specialist, I can't tune out hurt, pain, fear, and anger every day. Mm. Uh, I can't tune it out. And so I feel called upon to do something about it, which is why I'm gathering these people together 
who uh, have influence in their company, their community, or their industry, but by putting them all together, you know, it's a patchwork quilt of powerful and influential people who together, I mean, really, they could change the world. And so that's one of my near and long-term goals is to empower them and focus them on doing that and bringing them together because they're going to love each other. Mm. Tether love. Awesome Tethered. way to say Tethered. that. Yep. Yeah. Tethered T- love. I got Fact. the visual. I didn't get the words I'll make, right. <laughs> I'll make a plug. No, and actually, I'll make a plug for a movie. You can find this scene. you got to search on YouTube. Okay. There's a movie called Gravity with Sandra Bullock and George yeah. Clooney. Yeah. There is a scene in it. You have to find it, but there's, a, I think, a two or three minute scene where she reaches a low point. If you remember, she was an astronaut. She is an accident. She gets cut off. She's on her own. George Clooney was her mentor, literally tethering her. Uh-huh. And then he said, you have to save yourself. And he untethers himself and he goes off and dies in space. And there's a scene when she's at her uttermost low point where she actually just wants to die and it's a dream sequence it's done so well you wonder if it's true and in the dream sequence george clooney comes in from outer space there's about a 15 second silent thing which is a little bit distracting and that's just when he's getting back into the space thing and to me it's one of the most remarkable demonstrations of tether love because mm. he's being humorous with her and whatever and then and then what happens is there's a point in the thing where he gets just so strong and tender and says, hey, you can just shut it down. You can just you can just give up if you want. Just shut the machine off. If you want to die, you can do that. And then I think he says, look, you've been through the loss of a child. You've been through the worst. And then I think the last thing he says to her, I think her name is uh, Riley or something, uh, Orion. And he says, time to go home. And then it turns the movie around. But if you look at that sequence, to me, it is one of the best examples of tether love that you'll ever see. If you think about, like I think about in my life, who has played those roles for me and what difference did it make? And I would invite everybody listening to this to think of the same thing. Who has done that for you? Who continues to do that for you? Who can you do this for? How can you do more of this? I'm glad you brought that up because I have two homework assignments and I didn't know I would do it on your show, but I'm going to do it. Awesome. If you have a person like that, and here's your homework assignment too, Susie. Okay. What you're going to do is you're going to remember clearly what that person did for you, meant for you, believed in you, protected you, strengthened you, and you're going to pay it forward to someone in your organization. Because if you don't pay it forward, you've been a taker. And the second thing you're going to do is you're going to find that person or their next of kin and you're going to give them a power thank you. And a power thank you has three parts. It's in just listen. You're going to thank them or their next of kin for what they did. And be specific. It shouldn't be, oh, you know, thanks for the support. It's you took me into the your home when my parents were abusing me. You took a chance on me, you know, when everyone said fire them. So what they did is the first thing. The second thing is the effort or sacrifice they took to do it. And the third thing is what it personally meant to you. And if you do this right, you will be crying during part three. And what will happen is, in all likelihood, these people are not scorekeepers. They're not going to say, I've been waiting for you to thank me. (laughs) What will happen is you will make their day, and you'll realize that you've had a monkey on your back 
you know, because you actually took their love and never really got back to them. And don't be embarrassed. Oh, too much time has passed. I can't do this. They're not going to hold it against you. I will tell you, it will make your day. It'll make your week. That is something that I have done and do do. And I would encourage everybody here to do that. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And I don't know, it's just so... uh, to be appreciative and to have a, an appreciative soul and to continually thank people specifically for what they've done for you and continue to do for you is a life of grace. And talking about having a great life and living a great life, that's a big piece of that puzzle. And it really is. And I mentioned earlier my dead mentor society, so I've gotten a little easier on myself, but I tend to be a little harsh for myself. And after an interview like this one, you know, I could beat up on myself and say, geez, Mark, you went all over the place. There's probably a number of people that just tuned it out because you weren't giving them the step one, step two. I gave a few of those things. Well, you've given plenty happened? of those. Yeah. <laughs> you've been awesome. What, what are you talking about? Thank I'm not going to let you go, there you go. go there, but go ahead with your point. <laughs> See, you're, you're like a living mentor. Mark, I'm not going to let you I beat know, up no, on yourself. Awesome. This, was, this was a good interview. This was a good yeah, interview, hey man, Mark. We're following the that. energy. We're going with what where we are, and you know we have to trust that. I trust that. That's right. I know you yeah, trust yeah. that. But keep going with your point because I think it, it's well, the important. Point is, the point is, um, <laughs> so this Dead Mentor Society, when I, now if I'm beating up on myself, it's yeah. usually because I'm feeling that I've made a mistake, some yeah. sort of lacking, or I failed to do something. And what happens is I can conjure up any of them, and they have different accents, yeah. And I can just picture them smiling at me. I can remember specifically times when they were in my life. And I lean into that, and it really is a period of grace. And I lean into it, and I can even feel it now. I, my cheekbones are getting a little warm. I'm smiling. I'm feeling uh, it from some of them. And what happens is the gratitude I feel is so huge that I don't even know what the negativity was about. I can't remember. So what was I beating myself up again you know, for? So I would encourage people to use that. And so when you run into walls or bumps, especially when what happens when your future changes, so when you become untethered to your future, what happens is you often, until you realign with your new future, we often recoil and we reach inside and we want to feel solid. And that's why I think I feel for the people who, when they reach inside, if they come up with, they were abused, they were neglected, they were demeaned, and they didn't have this experience of healing with the people who loved them and cared about them. If you can just focus on those people and you reach inside and you just feel grateful for their being in your life, it's like the negativity dissipates. Yeah. And for me, I want to pay it forward. And now I have to pay it forward to you because you, you told me I did a good job. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I believe that's a therapy tool too, right, in regard to sure. if you're trying to heal a past pattern, you go back and relive. I don't know exactly how it works, but it seems like you go back and relive or restate. You have somebody look at you and, and mentor you, and you can do that for yourself by looking at what they remember fondly about you or if you could rework the situation. I mean, I'm not a therapist, so I don't know. But I know that there's so many things that belief in someone believing in us can heal so many things, self-doubt. Well, I think what it, see, I think what it gets to, I, I think one of the real 
challenges to humankind now. And this is what I coach a lot of people on, is see how the deeper and the more purely you can feel hurt and disappointment without acting out on it, without quickly converting it to frustration, anger, retaliation. The stronger you become, because a lot of times what happens is when people get their feelings hurt or they get disappointed, they immediately react and retaliate. And here's the great tragedy is that if you feel hurt and you retaliate with anger, nobody gets a chance to see that you've been hurt at all. They just think you're angry and then they get angry at you. And so you create sort of this abscess in your soul because it's the unfelt and the unhealed hurt. The more you can just sit in there and just say, this hurts, and don't take it out on yourself, don't take it out on anyone else, and what will happen is you will layer over, layer a solid core, because as you see that you can endure the hurt or the disappointment without being destructive, that's what helps create solidness. Uh, I remember a good friend of mine was a CEO of of something called Adaptive Medical Optics. They make blink. And I remember years ago, Jim Mazzo, I called him after they withdrew their top-line product. I think it was called Blink because there was some uh, problem that it was doing to corneas. And I called him and I said, Jim, i got to tell you how proud I am to know you. Without even checking with the board or anything, you just pulled it off the shelves, just like the fellow in with Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jim mm-hmm. said to me. He said, I'm giddy with excitement. He said, what? I said, you better close the door. (laughs) He said, said, this is a great lesson. He said, Mark, he said, we're a great company. We do the right things. But inevitably, stuff happens. And he says, I'm giddy with excitement because throughout my career, all of these kinds of things always made me smarter and stronger. And I don't know what that's going to look like this time. I just know it's going to happen. And I went, oh. What a way, what a way to take the hit from mm-hmm. life. But it's, I think it's true. I think it's true that if you can, here's another tip your people might like. I'd say one of the most profound and helpful tips I've ever come up with with dealing with adversity is when you hit adversity, and this comes from my psychiatric background, put yourself on a 72-hour hold. So when I was you know, a psychiatrist, you take someone and you protect them from themselves for 72 hours, and often the destructive thing would pass. Mm-hmm. And when I do presentations and trainings, I ask people, raise your hand if how many of you where a breakthrough in your life was preceded by a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Nearly everybody raises their hand. So here's the tip. Uh, don't do anything to make it worse after a breakdown for 72 hours. Because often what happens is something bad happens, people act out, they do something they're going to be embarrassed about, they go get drunk, they spend money they don't have. (laughs) And then what happens is they're so busy being embarrassed or dealing with their conscience that they miss the breakthrough. Ah, They make it worse, and then they're so busy apologizing for their tantrum that the breakthrough that would have happened, they miss out on because they're too busy apologizing. I like the 72-hour hold. Yeah. yeah I've heard I the, uh, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt, you know. Oh, I love halt. that. I love that. Yeah. It's part of a 
conflict resolution thing they do. But yeah, same th- it ties with it, but the 72-hour hold is even more effective. That's cool. Yeah, halt. Don't go forward. Or don't go out and get drunk, as you said. <laughs> or go shopping. Just be with it. Yeah. So question for you in regard to leaders and their teams. I know many of the people that I know who are listening to this are inspired and energized by your your energy and your insight and all that you see and know. How about some ideas for very busy leaders who want to listen more, want to love more or be that kind of presence with their team? But they're just just uh, not there as much as they want to be. I'm thinking about some of the tips you've shared. But the listener that's listening and saying, yes, I want to be and do more of that, I see your tactic that we talked about. Would that be where you would go if somebody's saying, I consciously want to be more of a light with my team, constantly want to be a better mentor? What are some of your top tips? There's a program I do with groups of CEOs, with some of these big CEO roundtable, you know, groups. Yeah. And I did it with, I think, 180 of them a few years oh ago. Oh, my gosh, tells- 180? <laughs> That's a lot of CEOs in a room. They, they, brought, they, they brought a bunch of, you know, their roundtables together. Yeah, and, uh, cool. I did it in South Bend, Indiana. What I did is I, at their tables, and so you can do this in your companies, and it will, especially with your executive team, it will change the culture immediately. And so I had people share stories of people in their lives that were there for them when they needed them, people who stood up for them when they couldn't stand up for themselves, people who stood by them in a crisis, and also people who stood up to them and stopped them from doing something foolish. And you listen to them, that other person, because it was laced with love. And so what happened is as I started sharing stories, within 45 seconds, half the room was crying. And then what happens is, uh, you know, and then everyone shares a story. And then I said, raise your hand if that person will be amongst the top five people you're grateful to at the end of your life. They all raised their hands. I said, raise your hand if you'd like to honor that person. They all raised their hand. And I said, what would be the best way of honoring them? Should you get a plaque, make a donation, and then I lean into it? Or should you pay it forward to someone else? Yeah, yeah. And then they pick that. And then I give them the homework assignment that I just gave you. Well, you're going to find the next of kin, and you're going to pay it forward and make a commitment to the other CEOs. You don't have to name names. You can say, you know, this is person, my organization, I'm going to pay it forward. But I'll tell you, when you do the exercise, you might even be getting the tinglys. After they do the exercise, the room feels different. There's a softness that you talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's oxytocin on steroids. And then I say that, and what happens is I say, how many of you feel that you're in a group of elite people? And I don't mean elite in an arrogant way, but just special people. When people show vulnerability, courage, and gratitude, VCG, that, that is one of the greatest and most inspiring bonding you can do. When you hear someone being vulnerable, courageous, because they got through it, and grateful, those three are all important because if someone's vulnerable, courageous, but then they just brag about it. I didn't need anyone. I did it all on my own. It's like saying, <laughs> yeah. oh, you just it. Yeah, feel to it. I was, it. All, yeah. about, I was 
just ready to root for you and you turned out to be this arrogant know-it-all. God, I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, but you uh, can do that. You can do that anywhere. And I'll send you a link because uh, one of the top oh, leadership, uh, I wrote the whole thing up. So uh, oh, that, nice. that, uh, that would be awesome. I'd love to one. share it. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope that's a good tip, but it just changes things. And, you know, when I think about remembering your experiences and, and deciding to pay it forward, a piece of that puzzle, and tell me what you think about this, is leaders are always so busy, and or everyone is, but especially some people who are managing large teams. The piece of the puzzle that I think helps them stay true to their intentions is what you talked about. I call it tune-in time, TNT, but it's journaling, quiet time prayer, meditation, self-care, all those things so that you're operating from a full tank. Because you can have the best intentions in the world, but if you're riding on the side of the road with two wheels off about to go into the ditch because energetically you're wrought, you don't have anything left to give, it's kind of hard to stay true to those intentions of mentoring and listening. I don't know if you ever think that. I have an article that just published in Huffington Post it's called oxytocin deficit disorder. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'll get that one too. I put it on our link. And then the subtitle is because they talk about you know empathy, and I said technology's missing chip. Oh. What I said is oxytocin is losing out to adrenaline, testosterone, pedal uh-huh. to the metal, and people are sacrificing joy for excitement. Intensity for intimacy, sacrificing tenderness for I don't know what. And so if you go to it, there's two videos. One is a video of homeless people tweeting the coolest messages you can ever imagine. Oh, nice. And the next video, the next video is the most astonishing video I've ever seen of kindness and love. It's a video of a therapist named Naomi File, a uh, black woman with Alzheimer's named Gladys Wilson. And I won't tell you how it ends up, but watch the whole thing. Okay. And what I say, basically, is if you're not appalled by the, the mean video, and if you're not moved or touched by the second video, then you have oxytocin deficit disorder. Uh... And it may not be that you're, you know, on the spectrum or narcissistic or whatever. It may be that you're just a product of our time, which yeah, tends yeah. to reward adrenaline, testosterone, winning, get the deal, do the deal, next deal. I'm putting a stake out into the world saying we need to be and feel humane with each other. Mm, yeah. And you've brought so much of that goodness and love to this conversation today. I'm Jack Nicholson. You're Helen Hunt, and as good as it gets. Susie, you make me want to be a better man. (laughs) (laughs) But I love being humane with each other. And, yeah, when I started valuing that more and valuing, you know, my own alignment and connection, my business took off, my life has blossomed, you know, and it's the exact opposite of thinking you have to chase things, you know, or, or look a certain way or be a certain way. It's the exact opposite of that. Oh, yeah. And you actually, uh, I mean, you actually attract people. And I think what it is, is people have a deep hunger for connectedness, emotional connectedness, because people are connected technologically. And I read recently that there's a pretty significant uptick of suicidality in teenage girls. So they're all on their uh, 
iPhones and they're all texting, but they're all isolated. Mm. And so, and I feel especially for girls because you know, without the closeness and intimacy, you really feel like something's missing. Whereas, you know, a lot of times boys and men can really get into the project, yeah, doing the fun activity. Anyway, we'll do other interviews. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, just, just to kind of clo- close it around, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions to close this off if you have another minute or two. I was just thinking about I have a conversation this week that I need to have with an executive and some challenges that are going on in the business. That's my job to bring them to light. But here's the thing. You bring those to light in love. We're still going to have the conversation, and we're still going to have the addressing the challenges, and I, I won't move off of that. But it will be in love that we have the conversation and you have to be, you know, there's some intention that goes with that. There's some planning that goes with that. There's some me energetically setting myself up to be a vehicle for that conversation. So that's a tricky balance for leaders and people and having the tough conversations, holding to what you need to say, but doing it with care and love and intention. You're open for a tip on that conversation? Absolutely. So there's something I also talk about in Just Listen, which is called the wince confrontation. So when you're yeah. confronting someone about something, you've got to show that it pains you to have to do it. Because if you come at them from frustration or anger, you trigger. And so what you say to this executive is, I need your help with something. And that's what I call assertive humility. And he or she will say what? Say, I'm getting close to not rooting for you, which I don't want to do. And I don't have that much control over it. I mean, I'll be professional and I'll give you, you know, input that I think will help you, but I want to root for you. And the reasons I'm close to not rooting for you, and then you're very specific, you do this or you fail to do this. And then, and if you can get that out, you can say, and also I want to educate you about something. We're always triggering flashbacks in people. We're always reminding people of someone else. And when you act the way you do, you trigger flashbacks, negative flashbacks of maybe a bullying father or mother or brother or sister. And when we trigger negative flashbacks, the other person has to work around it and can't fully concentrate because they have to work around it. The key is to trigger positive flashbacks. And then what will happen is people will do anything for you. Mm-hmm. So getting back to me, Mark, one of the, I coach more women than men. And I say, why, why do you hire me? And they say, you're like the big brother I always wanted. Oh, yeah. I said, what does that mean? They say, well, you're funny, you're kind of smart, you're irreverent, but you can hit me right between the eyes with something that's good for me that I need to hear but don't want to hear. And I yeah. love hearing it because it's specific and it's laced with love. I'm fortunate. I mean, I think I don't come off as anyone's, you know, father figure or ex-husband, drug-using kid. So I believe I come off that way because people tell me. But you could say that to the executive. You could say, you know, you trigger negative flashbacks that people have to work around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you could trigger positive flashbacks. I like that. And then here's what I I once said to someone like that. And I said, and here's, and if you do trigger the positive flashbacks, Here's one of the most unfair truths in life. The world will root enthusiastically for a reformed bully much more than someone who's been nice all along. Oh, very good point, yeah. That's because when someone doesn't have to be afraid of you or be angry at you, it's like they can exhale. Yeah. 
They love the feeling. In a sense, what you're doing is replacing the cortisol you're triggering people with oxytocin, and uh, you'll get more. Yeah, yeah. You'll get more results from them. So it's a yeah, very yada, literal yada, yada. to share. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I hope that helps some of that. Yes, stuff. it does. Yes, it does. It's awesome. The wince cool. confrontation. I love that. I love all your languaging. I love your acronyms. That's something I'm kind of a fan of, and everything I do. So it's we're we're in sync. It feels like to me. So thank you. Would like to close with if you have a couple minutes. Do you have a couple more minutes? Just a few. Okay, so let's just close with two things. One billboard, if you could put it anywhere and have it say anything, or where would you put it and what would it say? It would say, forgive. And then regarding one of the quotes people like and from listening, well, forgiving creates space in your head. And then I would say, be more interested than interesting. Be more fascinated than fascinating. Love it. And the best way for people to reach you, I've got your LinkedIn, other places. Probably, you... probably LinkedIn because my websites are a whole mess. <laughs> but the other thing that I'm keen on, and I have a podcast called Prison Letters with Dr. Oh, yeah. Mark Goulston. Okay. It's on iTunes. And I've gotten over 100 letters from inmates because my first book, Get Out of Your Own Way, has found its way into prison oh, uh, nice. jails. And so I read the letters from the inmate. And then for 35 minutes, I extemporaneously empathize. And I have no idea where it's going to go. But what's happening is I'm getting pretty humbling and amazing feedback. Like, And people are saying, I can't wait to hear what you say in the next episode. And I say, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it just comes over me because it's all inspired. Ah, uh, so yeah, so I actually, I have many leaders that I'm working with and around. One of the things we measure is empathy. So this would be a great tool for everybody, but including those who are saying, I act, I want to be more empathetic. So we will put a link to that. Prison Letters. Prison Letters with Dr. Mark Goulston on iTunes, Stitcher. Awesome. I'll put links to both. So if you have an iPhone or Android, you can find it. So, Dr. Mark Golston, you are a blessing. You've been a blessing today. Thank you so much. You're a blessing, too. We should, you know, offline, I'm going to introduce you to some people that you will love. That would be great. Meanwhile, just thank you for sharing you. There were so many wonderful points in this interview. What do you think? What were your takeaways? I'll always, as I mentioned when we started today, remember this interview because of the love and light shared by Dr. Mark but what I also remember is it was on the day of the solar eclipse of 2017 was the day that I interviewed him. Some things that I think are key takeaways are to remember how to listen into people so that they feel felt by you. So listening into instead of just listening to. It's about being present. And he talked about another thing that I think is very interesting because it's science and it makes the case on an intellectual level of the difference this makes in an organization and with your relationships with the people you work for and the people you work with and the people you mentor is that if you can listen into people, that is an antidote for stress because when we get under stress or when your team members or somebody you're mentoring gets under stress, cortisol goes up. And they're not as effective. And then the antidote to high cortisol is oxytocin. And the way you get more oxytocin is when you feel emotionally understood. When the cortisol goes down, 
and they're getting a dose of oxytocin because they're being understood and feeling emotionally connected to someone, then they bond with you. They're flooded with relief. The stress goes away and they're able to flex and work with you. So it's the reason why here at Priceless Professional Development, we do the processes that we do around PrEP, P-R-E-P. I've done a podcast on that about conflict. I'll have that in the show notes. And why we talk about the four call skills, C-A-L-L, and why we teach that, that best bosses use. There are essential leadership performance tools because those skills go into this idea of listening into people so that they can be more effective and it helps you be more effective. I also really enjoyed what Dr. Golston shared about mentors enjoying their mentees. And he talked about how Warren Bennis, the famous leadership guru, always seemed to enjoy him and how he saw value in him, even when he didn't see him himself. That was part of the tether love discussion. There's so much power in that. And he mentioned during that discussion that about the Gravity movie, well, he followed up in the true service way that he is with a link to the scene from the movie Gravity. So it is in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com slash just listen. So I want to remind you for you who are listening to this podcast, Audible offers a free audio download with a free 30-day trial. You try to say that free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And they give us recognition for announcing this. But well, I recommend if you're going to try audibletrial.com slash workforce for your free audiobook, go get Dr. Mark's book, Just Listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. And you can try it out for free by trying out Audible. You get to keep your book if you decide Audible's not a fit for you. So there are links to everything we talked about, Mark's website, his podcast, Prison Letters. I went and listened to just the pilot, which was just a short, you know, here's what we're doing and why we're doing it. Having a chance to listen to his actual podcast. I think this was five episodes at the time of recording this and his prison letters. So go check that out at iTunes. You've got his articles and all kinds of links here in the show notes that you can use and access to support your interest in just listening. So I'm going to close with the quote that we started with today. The purest form of communication is to listen without memory or desire. So try, pal, purposeful, agenda-less listening, purposeful, agenda-less listening. Try, pal, with folks today and see what happens. See what the dynamic becomes because of you listening into the people around you. And this ties perfectly into the next topic. We're going to talk about executive presence. It is executive presence index is something that I have just become certified in this year and have begun using with clients. And I interview one of my teachers. And so somebody who's helped certify me and he is a wealth of knowledge and it's about what is executive presence. And we're going to talk about how they measure it or we measure it now that I'm certified in the tool and uh, give you some key takeaways and insights around, you know, the bigger stage you're on and the more people you manage and the more people you lead and the more visible you are, the more important it is for you to be able to influence through your presence so this podcast today ties to that. 
So I can't wait to share that with you. Coming up soon. The interview's already been recorded. I just need to do my intro and get it up. So we'll we'll have that here shortly. So all the best to you. Until we talk again, take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 